Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I am Chris, joined by my brothers Adam and Eric, and Hello. we are back in the room to talk more about video games. Surprise, anybody... surprise. Yeah, it's a twist, twist galore. <laughs> anybody been playing any games before we jump into the discussion lately? Yes. Apart from the game that we're about to mention, because we might have been collecting some footage. I've been playing the game that we're about to mention. Okay. I've not been playing the game we're about what to mention. What have you been playing, Eric? I've been playing uh, The Sinking City. Um, oh, yeah, the old Lovecraftian. The old Lovecraftian. And I've also played, because uh, PlayStation Plus released Call of Duty World War Two. I played and cleared that in like two days. Wow. Ready? Jesus. Is it I short? Was... It's like seven hours then, or? Yeah, it's pretty short. Oh, well, yeah. I'm really but, happy well, they've released that. I only played the first mission in it. Oh, it's actually. I've, I've been on an absolute World War II binge. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. done it yet, but I'm going to. Josh DeHamel's character um, is fantastic in it. So oh, he's in it, is he? Yeah. I actually, he... I don't even remember that game. I don't remember it coming out. I, I, World I saw... War II? Yeah, when, it's, when I saw that you had downloaded it. I looked it up. I was like, "When did that come out? Is that is this it's a the really year old?" After Battlefield One, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a really old game, and it no. turns out that nope. I just never, Graphics, I never saw it come the out. Mud, the mud is so good. It's again is one that? of those things where, like, when you're playing Death Stranding or something, you just look at the ground. You're like, "This ground is nice. I want oh, more." The visuals of this are very good. The visuals the scenes are. are very good. Yeah, I must so, get. I must get onto downloading it. Sometimes, yeah, I'm even like, even just for a beginning, surreal. because it just feels like. Remember Medal of Honor Frontline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that in, like, Super HD. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what you've been playing. I've been, I've st- I'm still playing uh, GTA V. I haven't finished it, but I'm only, I'm only doing little bits at a time. I'm not getting very far at the moment because we're tending to a little sick doggy. But mm. uh, I'll get back to gaming when she's in good health. But enough of that. Today we're going to be talking about... last. Actually, last episode, we discussed uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which was one of our top five PS2 games. Um, and I think that's probably like if you have a top five PS2 games list, San Andreas is probably going to be on most people's, and so is Resi 4, I would say. It's going to be on most mm-hmm. people's. This one, possibly not. It's going to be on a lot of people's, but a lot of other people would probably would probably choose something else over it. This is definitely a it, it really depends on your own tastes. Like this, this game is um, for, very particular, I think. Um, and much like San Andreas, it has a lot of RPG elements, but it has a lot more because it is an RPG. Uh, and that is Final Fantasy X, uh, which we talked about very briefly before. We talked about the remaster very mm. briefly before, but we're going to get into a full discussion about the actual game this time around, uh, including our general thoughts. And we will this time around, there will be a point where we say, OK, we're going to get into spoilers now. Because there is a PS4 remaster of this game, you, people can get it. It is like widely available. Um, and it is, I think, well worth playing if you're into RPGs, especially if you're into JRPGs. And if for some reason you haven't played this, and if you've played like the Final Fantasy VII Remake and you've just gotten into the series, 10 is a really good one to, to pick up next if you're looking for one to play. Uh, it plays differently, but you'll get a real feel for the classic Final Fantasy play style. Um, but with the modern kind of like voice acting and uh, visuals and that kind of thing. Um, so, without further ado, let's talk Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X. 
Okay, so Final Fantasy X. Like we said before, we're, we we won't get into spoilers yet. Yeah, so we'll 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 talk generally about the game first, and then we'll talk um, spoiler territory where we can go into detail of any aspect of the game that we want to talk about. But in general, what are your thoughts on the game? Can I just comment on our backgrounds for a second? Absolutely, yeah. Why? Why? What do you want to say? It's <laughs> like, no, hold on. I, I think... You're only listening to this. You'll just oh, have yeah. to. Uh, you'll just have to listen to Adam's descriptions. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the fact that like we just have like essentially just two beaches. It looks like those default kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks like, like this just came on the laptop. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's what it digs in five out of ten. Most of the backgrounds are beaches and islands and things. Yeah. Um, they got yeah they got their inspiration from like Polynesian culture didn't they or Hawaiian culture or something? Uh, just the kind of islands in the Pacific in general yeah. just those Asian islands yeah the but, Philippines and so Indonesian. one yeah. thing I do have to grant then Final Fantasy X is its beautiful lush world that is then juxtaposed against a very dark menacing force and wow. watching as this <laughs> wow. That was wow, said wow, so wow, well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 That was yeah, words were spoken. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, they were. Um. Wow. Yeah. That was well. Well put. That should be the urban dictionary definition of Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Beautiful, lush worlds juxtaposed against a dark, menacing force. Here <laughs> uh, all week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yes, Eric. Go further. Tell me more. What? No, that's all I got. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's your, the that's your the thoughts podcast, on the game. It. You're yeah, like, I, I, that's I, all I, I like about it. <laughs> How about you, Adam? Uh, I think it's the. I'm trying to remember back to when I when I picked it up, I picked it up after ten two. I didn't play ten two first. What? But what I mean is, picked it <laughs> oh, up sorry. after ten two was released. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, as I, in I, the marketing for ten two was oh. like in your face all the time. So that's really the first time I've ever seen Final Fantasy, like. You know, taking up covers of magazines, being adverts on the television, posters all over the place. Like, Tentu got a lot of attention. And I remember seeing that kind of going, well, maybe I should check out the, the first one then. Um, so I managed to pick up the 10 on Platinum, the Platinum kind of cases, the yeah, those editions. Yeah. Um, which is essentially just, yeah, PlayStation Classic editions. So... I would have been late coming into it because I think it was almost a launch title, I think, for PlayStation 2. Yeah, I think it was because they were developing that um, and PS, uh, sorry, Final Fantasy 9 pretty much around the same time, with Final yeah. Fantasy 9 being one of the last PS1 games and then Final Fantasy 10 being like the new era. Um, yeah. I absolutely the... loved 10. Um, loved the, the world was set up, the gameplay I really, really liked because. I think I tried nine. Like nine was okay. I know there's a lot of love for nine, but I just couldn't really get into nine. So I don't really know what it was about ten that just latched me onto it. Because the thing is about the story aspect of it, I don't think the story is really that compelling until you get way into it. Okay. But there's something else that really drives you in, and I don't know whether it's the badass kind of metal tune at the beginning, <laughs> or like their use of really great cgi for some of the cutscenes, mm. um or if it's just that gameplay that i think the it's my favorite well apart from seven remake it's my favorite combat in a final fantasy game uh, very easy to get into anyway 
considering they didn't go for that free-flowing fighting style. So by having that, like, because I found while playing, like, 8 and 9, sometimes I'd find myself waiting. Because, you know, they'd use that time base. You have to wait so right. the, the yeah, meter yeah. fills up. So I'm kind of, like, waiting and nobody's doing anything. It's like... But at least it's a bit with, slow with, and boring, with, yeah. At least with 10, though, it's just one after another. After yeah, another, I like the turn-based thing because you can see who's, like, kind of... Coming up next. Coming up, and you can kind of plan your attack. But if you swap... If you do a different thing, like, let's say... If you're going to attack with someone, then the enemy is next. But if you decide to use a potion this time, then you can get another attack in before the enemy can attack. So, like, yeah, depending you on what you do. Yeah, you can see it swap around. Yeah. yeah. Or if you use, like, haste on your character, you'll see that now they have, like, multiple goals before. Yeah. Or if you use slow on the enemy, you can see them get pushed back. I've never used more buffs or debuffs than in Final Fantasy X. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I think ten made me a better, like, RPG gamer. Like I, yeah. I, I kind of could now go back into something like seven and, and like, you know, really utilize everything at my disposal after playing ten. Yeah, and I think like it does a really good job of introducing those tactics to you. Um, and one of the ways it does it is by having this sort of rock paper scissor battle system. Um, which is that certain members of your party are effective against certain enemies. At least at the beginning of the yeah. game. Obviously, you can customize them and, and change it up later on. But at the beginning of the game, your your character sets have certain classes that are specifically designed to attack certain types of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, when you see a um, group of enemies, you're like, okay, so for this fight, I need this person, this person, this person. And you can swap them out at any time. Yeah, so you don't I, accidentally have the wrong person. That's great. I fucking love that. I love that so much because you actually you're on a quest with the same party for the whole journey. Mm-hmm. And and in all the boss fights, you will probably utilize all of them. You won't stick mm. with just three. And so you have this thing of like like while um like while I, I absolutely adore seven and I love the party members of seven, there is an element where it's like, well, like like people do ask that question, who who is your three? Yeah. Right? seven they go who's your three or who's your three that you you use the whole time of year in in 10 it's the whole party there is no who's your three it's you you use everyone and it's a really tight group and they're all on like the same quest and i, I don't know it feels less like a group of people just thrown together because yeah. it's a very specific quest there's not like your main character is thrown into it mm-hmm. and then so your experience the story through his eyes and your um so you're new to the world and he's new to the world and everyone else is explaining the world to him. And through that narrative, you are getting a sense of the world. You know, like that doesn't work in the likes of Seven where Cloud is of that world and he understands how it works. And actually he's yeah. the expert telling everyone else how stuff works because he's he, he has experience at Shinra or whatnot. Um, but in this this time around, you're playing as a guy who doesn't is in a new world. He doesn't understand it and has to have everything explained to him and as a result you get the narrative and i love that i love the way the narrative is is told to you and you get every aspect from history to the religion of the world to the sports of the world it's a really fleshed out like world spirit yeah like even that like the the sport thing like obviously you play as a sports star um, which is weird it's it's weird that you're you're essentially a football player yeah um (laughs) And you, your kind of motivation to go on the journey starts off with you just wanting to help out a team, essentially. You know, to, yeah. to go on that. But you just so happen to be going on the same journey as, as the, some of the other main characters. But uh, 
even the combat system, the fact that you're talking about you can swap people out, it's like, well, you have people in reserves, people are on the bench. Like, every, the fight is like how you approach a, a football match or, or a basketball match or something like right. that. Uh, so you strategically want to, like, not necessarily put your worst people on the bench, you may want to keep your best man on the bench for, like, as a reserve nearly, because you know you can get them down with the first few and then swap them out and get, uh, hit them really hard with your best and stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that whole sporting is like the whole way through the game, which I really think is, yeah, is there's pretty. a metaphor there in the mechanics, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. What did you get in combat, Eric? Uh, we kind of, yeah, like casually gone onto the gameplay there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I do prefer the kind of idea that everyone's together and you could swap out to them because it kind of reminds me of like Lord of the Rings. Which obviously, as children, we all love. So I think that was one thing that was really drew us to it because you got the whole group and they're going together and they're all working together to to battle all whatever yeah. monsters there. And then, yeah, I absolutely agree with the idea of when you have RPGs, it's always best to have that each character is unique in their own right because if everyone's the same, there's kind of no point in having anyone. Like, you know what I mean? So by having that they're all individual strengths and weaknesses, then they're... Uh, really good against particular characters and stuff and, and as well yeah. like, when you're saying like they're like a fellowship i like i i agree with that like they really are and every time you enter a cutscene, like who whoever is in your party at that point will be there so it's not a case of there'll just be like two people with you like they're, they're all there for all the big events and mm -hmm. so i feel like everyone in this game has a really strong arc because at different points each of their characters get tested in different ways um until obviously the climax of the game so like it's just a really it's it's, it's probably my favorite final fantasy party actually 10 as much as i love like i love the characters for seven and i like seven is for me is a far superior game but um just as a actually tightly knit party i i think 10 i mean there's only one character in 10 i don't really like <laughs> and we will have to talk about it <laughs> it's kind of a He's a big one. <laughs> There's no avoiding them. But I, I think the rest of them, I like them all for very different reasons. And there were some of them I didn't like when I was younger. But um, as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate them a lot more and kind of understand their role in the world and their role in the narrative and in the, in the story. Um, and I appreciate that too. The, the, much like many of the other Final Fantasies, the narrative is definitely the beating heart of this. Like while the gameplay is solid, and really good. It is definitely a narrative-driven game. So this is not like a game you can throw on like San Andreas and just mess around. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a long time to get going, and it takes commitment to really. Yeah, I think it's it, it, It's once you get to Besaid, which is you know, we're talking maybe an hour into the game. Yeah. Uh, that's when I think it starts to get really compelling as a story, and and it from there on it just keeps get going and going and going. Like it's it's fantastic from there on. I think the beginning of it is very slow, um, but it's kind of necessary because of you know how that develops later on. Yeah, yeah, very much so. What do we think of um, uh, just generally first of all, uh, spirit, the setting, the world of it? Gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well think said. I, I think i think i said that with my with my epic quote um 
<laughs> Let me that's repeat exactly that for you, Chris. How I feel about it. Let me say it again in case you didn't uh, didn't quite I didn't hear. catch it. Uh, I like uh, discussing people within Spira, which obviously uh, is kind of the the blood of any nation. I love the kind of the racism that goes on, or not racism? No, the, the kind of. of <laughs> no, I don't. What? But I like I like. <laughs> having that kind of idea of like these really zealous religious people and then yeah and then going clash going to clash with these, oh, these kind sorry. of science people yes, like, I, it's, it's a clash of ideologies really yeah i yeah i've used the wrong wrong word there yes yeah, a clash the clash yeah. of ideologies between them is great and then the hypocrisy that some of them use as well yes and we'll is get, very we'll get yeah, yeah yeah get to that but that that's something that makes it really interesting and makes the world feel more alive and believable yeah and I do, and I think like your your quotes bang on. Like the world is absolutely beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's a place that if you could visit it, you would. And I even like I don't know what it is. There's something about the name Spirit. I like mm. like there's the it just sounds really I don't know bright and beautiful. And yet yeah. there's a a strong theme of sorrow all throughout the game. And the talk they discuss sorrow and despair and death and hopelessness all throughout. And they have very little um things to entertain them right they literally just have this one sports game called blitzball mm. and their religious faith and that yeah. is essentially it and their yeah. religious faith is in this context is uh, like survival technique too because it is essential to their survival in this world because it is the only method to battle sin which is the the big monster basically <laughs> godzilla Basically, yeah, it's basically being like uh, I, ka- kaiju. Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah, kaiju are the big monsters kaiju, from uh, Japanese. The Japanese monsters. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely like a, it's just such a perfect setting for it to kind of pick that kind of Indonesian culture, uh, because whether they're dealing with tsunamis, which is this game definitely is touching on, like sin is almost mother nature that constantly, and mother nature is something you can't control. You try your best. There's the clash of being kind of traditionalist without using machinery versus trying to modernize and use that against. And, and that's kind of touching on, I suppose, the the struggle that Japan would have had, um, whether it's coming up to the uh, 1900s to even World War II and stuff like that. The, the, the struggle that they had with trying to go back to their roots of trying to be like the more feudal style Japan versus being more westernized and stuff. So there's a bit of that in there as well. Um, It's just, it's such a cool setting and it's such a, it's such a unique Final Fantasy. Like there's none before it and there's none after it that are any, there's anything like Final Fantasy X. Yeah, I think I might've said it before, but the, uh, the main like story writer behind X had said specifically that they wanted to challenge. So like, like I said, nine and 10 were kind of made, around the same time or they're being worked on at the same time and nine was very much about going back to the roots of final fantasy and to like a dungeons and dragons kind of yeah. medieval uh you know dungeon crawler and it was praised for doing that 10 then was the opposite 10 was challenging what a fantasy has to be so t- like it didn't have yeah. to have the european medieval setting, setting. Yeah. it didn't have to have knights and like the what people typically expect and i've I don't think I've seen anything else with the same identity that Ten has. Ten, like Final Fantasy Ten has a very 
specific identity. Um, it's very unique. And I th- it's weird. I always find, like, even though it's based on Indonesian culture and Filipino culture and all that stuff, um, there was aspects of the game I found so relatable uh, to Ireland. Right? Which is weird. And it was not obviously not how the place looked. <laughs> Jesus, Ireland. If you've never been to Ireland, lads, it's not that bright. <laughs> the, well, the, right now, it's lovely. The, right now, it's quite nice. All right, it's but the ocean now. is not like as clear as that. If you come to Ireland, right, the Irish shore is not like that. But no, it's the thing of like the only thing. It's not Ireland's not like this now. But growing up, um, sports and religion, like huge. Sure. Okay. And the fact that the uh, sport was like um what's the word i'm looking for it, it was um supported hugely by religion like the, yeah the gaa was like yeah yeah big thing with, you know what i mean like yeah there was just something about it where i was like i i know that this church is based on many religions and it's a made-up religion and it takes in a lot of different ideologies but i couldn't help but just think of the the catholic church like i i couldn't help but think of it and blitzball i couldn't help but think of like gaelic football or soccer that everyone was playing um, yeah as I was growing up. so It is actually, like, when you look at all the different sports in the world, um, it is closer to GAA, I think. It's, it's GAA underwater. Pretty much. Than, than yeah. it is soccer or, or yeah. even American football. Because they kick and handle the ball. Yeah, and they have to, like, kind of essentially dribble, which is, like, move a little bit underwater. They can only move so far, and then they have to pass it on. You know, they can't just keep swimming with the ball, really. From that gameplay perspective, actually, because you get to play the sport yeah. it, and it becomes a mini game. D- did any of us ever understand it or enjoy it? <laughs> no, no. Uh, so I'm kind of like I'm replaying it and I, I'm going to give it another bash. But yeah. um, I always liked the for me, it was a bit like the, the pod racing scene from The Phantom Menace, right? Yeah, that's a scene that. Some people hate, some people love. Now, I love the pod, ra- pod racing in Phantom Menace, right? It's actually one of my favorite scenes in that film. Cause in I the get saga. Quite... <laughs> in the saga, even. Yeah. As a whole. Because <laughs> for me, it's like, it's 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 that, um, that Circus Maximus, you know, stuff that you would get from, like, the, the older films. Isn't it? Which film is that again? Spartacus? No, it was Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 essentially that in space. Um, I think it's like a, it's a really cool. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that is space, brought a planet. No, but like uh, space, uh, space age kind of um, yeah, take yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, so it's I love like exploring new kind of like yeah of course this nation or this uh, world would have some form of sport and it's something that you don't really see and sport is huge in this world people fight over sport you know i was saying to eric over the weekend i mean there was a war in central america over football like there was an actual war over like yeah and two countries went to war over a game of football so like people you know are they're really passionate about sport so it's 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 mad that we haven't really seen that as a uh, a centerpiece for for any game really or fifa <laughs> right. well no yeah yeah no, but know. within the culture of like yeah, trying yeah. to define something like i mean you get card games and something like the witcher but it's like you know what kind of sports do they play <laughs> yeah no it's true yeah, but yeah yeah that doesn't necessarily mean i enjoy playing the sport i just yeah. like the idea of there being one and it being like 
a spectacle that people, you know, not many people want to get together in this world because of, it, it, you know, if people gather together, it, it brings across sin and sin will destroy them. But that's something they're willing to kind of get together for. Yeah. Is the Blitzball. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting that it's the exception for many things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, Eric, kind of like, uh, isn't it, that happened recently, didn't it? What's that? Wasn't it even with the COVID uh, pandemic? There was a, a sport was allowed to go ahead, I think. Cheltenham. Yeah. Yeah. So even even with the yeah, how nice. serious things are, like people are still willing to get together just for a bit of sports yeah. ball. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice one, lads. Um... <laughs> you're not able to skip that sequence, are you, in Blitzball? No, you have to. It, you it, have to play it once. Play it once, yeah. You have um, to play it once, but you can you skip it after that. Once. After that, you yeah, it becomes a mini game that you can collect players for across the world, and at any sphere you can play a game of blitzball. You actually have to, um, I think you have to win so many games in order to get Waka's ultimate weapon. Yeah, um, you definitely improve Waka with it. So, but Eric, I'm guessing from that that you don't you don't particularly I like it. Never, never understood. I was like, do I when you stop? I was like, right, okay, I move, I stop. Do I shoot? Do I pass? Okay, this person's right beside It was like playing XCOM, actually. Right Now, obviously, I played this before playing XCOM. But my partner's right beside me, one of my teammates. is like, right, I got like a 92% chance of throwing this ball, and they're going to catch it. Oh, no, I throw it, and the, the, the fucking... The guy way on the other end of the bloody floating sphere, he caught it. I was like, I didn't even throw it that way. <laughs> what the hell? So, no, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I do it because it has to be done, but I, I don't want to... <laughs> Yeah, purposely I, play it. Much like well, Adam said, I appreciate the Blitzballs there. I love it as a story element, and I think mm. it's such a cool looking sport. And I hadn't seen anything like it, and I think it's it's a fascinating thing that yes, in a fantasy world, I never thought of before. What do they like? What kind of sports do they play? Because sport is a huge leisure and you know area existence. So if you're reflecting on our world, it, it, there should be a version of it. And so when it was there, I was like, wow, this is incredible. But playing it sucks <laughs> playing it sucks um, I, I find out with i Eddie. just can't get it i just don't get it i don't i know that it, it, it basically the blitzball game works as a rpg as well there's like mm-hmm. your characters have stats and based on your stats and then the stats of your opponent will determine how successful certain moves would yeah. be but the tutorial for it is terrible it's so long there's all these like different bits like you have to scroll down through this list of stuff to read through and and then it's almost this, like that Fort Condor uh, thing all over again. Yeah, you know, it's it is. Like, You're just like, it's like, let me just get back to the good stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah Fort Condor not... made no sense to me. No. I, I remember I was playing that when what I was doing? going to Final Fantasy VII. I was like, how am I supposed to stop these guys? Like, they're just constantly coming. Just yeah. let them up. makes no sense. Just let just, them up. I, yeah, I just let them up because you get to fight them. Unfortunately, in Blitzball, though, there is no way of just like, can I just let them win and then I beat the shit out of them? <laughs> <laughs> Those nuke goers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, assholes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that it's there, but I, I don't particularly like it as a game. But I do know people who did like it and got really into it. So there must That's be good some, though. At least it's there. Yeah. I think there it, for someone. It's another subtle, uh, subtle thing though of the fact that it's a fantasy that these people are able to like breed underwater for like ever. Yeah, well, only people who have trained in it. Mm-hmm. So not everyone. But has- it's. So yeah, it but it, it still creates some sort of like fantasy kind of element because it's not like you can have people who are expert swimmers, but it's not like as if they're going to be able to survive underwater throwing balls for like 
hours on end. You no, know what I mean, like, yeah. so, Look, so there is actually there's... there's people who've trained themselves to go underwater for like ages. Well, yeah, right, thanks, Adam. I don't know what the record is. <laughs> Tom uh, Tom Cruise held his breath for seven minutes underwater. Yeah, I, I was watching someone recently. No, no, this game is longer than that, but yeah, <laughs> I watched someone recently. He was like doing. He made a a short film for um National Geographic, I think, and he's a he's a. I think they call them free divers or something like that. Or right. they go down with no equipment at all. They just hold their breath and they go down. And the video footage is stunning. Like this guy doing like it's almost like this kind of Final Fantasy style stuff. Right. Um. And he does things where he looks like he's kind of running, like the camera will be upside down. But so he's actually upside down, like where but it looks like he's running along the surface but underwater. It's like really cool wow. shit. Wow. Yeah, I should have. And check can you not do that stuff with the equipment? Is it too heavy or something? Or uh, it's something about the having control over your body kind of thing and getting you know being better and stuff. Of course, they could do it with the with the equipment, but the whole purpose of it is like for meditative. Someone should train. To be able to go into space without any equipment. Now that'd be fucking... <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fucking impressive. <laughs> Try not to freeze to death. <laughs> um, the... Where was I going to go next? I don't know. We're around Blitzball. Kilika. Blitzball. Why no, it's, actually, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to Kilika Port. Um, I, oh, this is another sequence. aspect of gameplay, actually. Okay. That um, they... They do very differently in this Final Fantasy to other Final Fantasies. And it's it's not really getting into spoilers, but it is part of the story. Um, summons. Mm-hmm. In Final Fantasy X, so I don't cool. know about you guys, my favorite. I don't, yeah. think a, I don't think a Final Fantasy game has done better a better take on summons than, than X. Might have better designs, yeah, but not actually like a better way of utilizing them. And actually putting them in the story. Like The story is centered around summons and summoning. Yeah. Yeah, they're so well integrated. So good. They're actual characters. Yeah. yeah. I don't and think then, we can really... We probably should hold on to we get into spoiler territory to talk more about summons, but... Well, I just... What I mean by, like, from the gameplay aspect is that you get to control them. Yeah, I love yeah, that. That shit's so cool. They're, like, they're iconic designed as well, like... You know I mean, you see them once and you're gonna, like, remember what they look like forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the only one where I'm, like... Uh, I don't really like the design of it. It's probably Valfour. I don't really like the design of Valfour. I think it could be a little better, but yeah, yeah. Valfour. Ifrit okay. looks great. Shiva looks great. Um, Bahamut is so good. Bahamut is so God. badass. I think your Jimbo, Jimbo is my favorite out of all. Yeah, of he's them. cool. He's cool. I don't like the Magus. Is that what's called Magus Sisters? Magus Sisters. Yeah, I don't really like them. Yeah. Um, but, um, and yeah. Anima. I love Anima as well. Anima is. So cool. Anima is the best thing. Creepy as hell, but cool. I don't even know what he does. He just winks at you and you're dead. Yeah. She. She. Oh, she. She. I'll tell you later. What's about? What about the one underneath her? <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> it's all one. It's all one, really. It's just, it's just a messed up, crazy design. That's another thing in the setting of it. The all the creatures that exist in the world have a, an explanation or a story mm. as to why they exist. Ah oh, man, they they explain so much. There's some stuff that falls flat, unfortunately, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But so much of it is actually like grounded within its own world that it it totally works. The last little kind of gameplay aspect I'm supposed to talk about is the the leveling up system. It has the a sphere grid? Wait, you, yeah, the sphere grid. What do you think of the sphere grid? 
I think at first I thought it was really overwhelming, but it's actually really easy. It's yeah. so easy. I think it's probably a bad design when I think back on it. Right. Um, because you look at it, it does look so overwhelming and confusing. Um, but once you just start using it, like you can literally only go one way. But it'd be the equivalent of, I suppose, like almost like a maze. Mm. Um, like a really easy maze. <laughs> like a maze <laughs> looks confusing, but you just, you know, follow a certain path and you're through it. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think the design of it is probably poorly executed, but it's, it's, it's a really, I think it's a nice way to actually update. It's because you see that kind of thing in, or something similar to it in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I thought that was really cool, like with the weapon system upgrade. It's very yeah, similar. It looks like it, yeah. Um, so I, I do like that type of upgrade your character, giving you control over what they learn. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Uh, Fan of the Sphere Grid? I like the Sphere Grid. I can't really remember if it had much of an impact on me because it's been years since I've played it. But I remember first time I played it, I thought every single character had their own Sphere Grid. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then I played it again recently, as in a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, no, everyone's connected and it's massive. And I just, I do like that everyone has, everyone can learn everyone's ability Yes. as well. I yeah. do like that. So everyone starts off as their own unique strengths, and then they get everyone else's strengths, so that, you know, depending on the situation, like if you use Lulu, who uses an elemental magic, if she ends up dying during combat and you have no more phoenix downs or something like that at least you have someone else who might have learned her abilities to be able to use and so on and so forth which is a very unique and interesting way of doing it rather than just the standard when you level up your health just automatically increases and you have your own set of abilities because that's the class you chose this way right, it's like... yeah. i've never used the i don't think i've ever used the basic spirit grid or whatever it's called you know, oh, when yeah, you start the game, you can start. choose yeah, between two different figures. So I've never, I've never done the basic one. I don't know what the difference is. I actually don't know the differences either because I don't think I've done that one either. I, um, I'm I'm having a moment where I'm like, there's kinds of spheres in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yes, there are kinds of spheres. Yeah, spheres, grid. Sorry, kinds of spheres. And, <laughs> um, I I really like the sphere grid. I'm a big fan of it. I think it's yeah. I agree that when i was younger i found it very overwhelming um but in my last few playthroughs of it i've um i think it's you know it it actually is very linear um at the start until then later on in the game you start getting other types of spheres like teleport spheres or transport mm -hmm. spheres where you can now make your character start off at a totally different part of the grid and now you have you have a choice in what direction now you want to take the character so the game will start you off in a certain you know, each character will start off in a certain kind of class as such, based on their, their best skills or abilities, and you will upgrade them in those places, so like very early on um, Titus, or Titus I don't know, I call him Titus um, you know, he should learn haste early on, or Lulu should learn fire and water early on, but then later on you can take them in totally different directions you know yeah. um, and it's a fun one with Kamari actually Kamari always starts in like a neutral place and so it's always a good idea to transport him somewhere early on and, and get him to learn mm. different abilities from but the thing people. is like the the whole upgrade character upgrade thing is it, we see that in skyrim as well that uh 
you know, you, you start off with a specific class, so you're going to be better with certain things. But yeah. then you can upgrade and learn absolutely everything. I think Skyrim is probably better executed. It's less yeah, complicated. It's a but yeah, no, in fairness, it's yeah. a similar idea. It's, it it's a similar concept. Yeah. It all comes back to Skyrim. Now Always. we're talking about Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop. <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about it anymore, actually. We got a letter of complaint. No money, John. Uh, <laughs> we might have. Um, this is the first, not only the first Final Fantasy to have voice acting, but I think it's the first to have a linear story, like a linear path. Okay, what do you think about both of those elements? Because <laughs> I mean, start, like, start with the linear thing, right? Because it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it does not do the open world map thing, right? It doesn't really have an over map. Does it? Did it bother you? Well, you see, I only played seven, so <laughs> up until that point, I only played seven. Like yeah. dabbled in nine. Uh, but, but even now, it. if you look back now, like you know, now that it's you've. For like, me, complaining about Final Fantasy X being like, it's a, this, uh, that was a break for a few people. It's like, oh, it's linear, uh, as if that is a problem. For me, it's not a problem. Uh, I get a similar feeling. Like which it, it kind of reminds me of Ocarina of Time the way it's laid out, right? right okay. So the Legend of Zelda, if you take the Legend of Zelda series, I think a lot of people would agree that Ocarina of Time is the best one in it. It's it's the most linear, right? It doesn't have that open world that you had in the original Legend of Zelda. Um, I don't think that breaks it at all. It's like you've got these, like kind of, I I suppose people could say that the the main kind of Hyrule area is open, but so is the Camlands and Ten, so I think it's the same thing. But you're pretty much on this linear path where you start off in like kind of foresty area, then you would go to whether it's a snow area, what underwater area, a desert area, etc. Yeah. You get all that in Ten as well. I think Ten is very similar to Legend of Zelda in terms of how it tells its story, the kind of traditional, uh, almost like yeah, the Lord of Rings linear quest, right? journey path. Yeah. 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 I, I love it. I think it's great. What do you think? Eric? I well. I never really played seven, so the only games I really played were like that were story based games were like Devil May Cry and Metal Gear Solid. So for me it was like this is linear and this is the way games are. They're just linear. Like I know oh, I played yeah. San Andreas, I know San Andreas was open and everything like that. But to me like San Andreas was like that that was the one of its kind, like that that San Andreas was open, that was it, every other game was linear. So for me it it was nicer to start with with ten. As, as a child, because of the fact that I've played such linear games, that going into something like Final Fantasy VII, which was just open, and it's like, hey, where do you want to go now? Having a clue. Um, would have been a bit more over overwhelming as a child. So I found the, the linearness was was a nice way to ease you into Final Fantasy. Yeah. I I um, I, I have no issue with the, the linear path thing. I think, yeah, it, it makes it very clear. Like, you do have a, a certain quest, um, you're trying to go to each temple in a particular order. Um, so in a way, like th- there is no time to be messing around either. There's this looming mm-hmm. constant yeah. threat that like it's like let's we gotta get on with it. We don't really have time to go off and like decide in what order we'd like to visit towns. And also later on you do get an airship where you have the choice now of revisiting yeah, any area you've been to before and some areas that you hadn't been to before if you want to explore other areas. But I think because they did it in 3d and they tried to do a lifelike type thing and they try to do the voice acting and all that um 
So if you play seven or eight or nine or six, any of the games before, um, you do have to, there's a kind of a, an abstraction, right? Or you do have to suspend belief. Like when Cloud's walking around that map, yeah. you know, it's, it's a metaphor. It's symbolic. He's not that big suddenly <laughs> and the world is small, right? And you have to also believe that there are, you know, many things that happen along the way. Like, oh, they probably set up camp in a forest somewhere. And, you know, like, that's just like a blank playing space between towns, between events. So in this game, they're making it lifelike. They know they can't give you the entire world to travel at will. Like, it's not, it's just not possible with, like, the technology that they had at the time but what they do instead is they give you these linear paths but if you look around with the camera there is a wide world out there so they haven't made the world smaller they just found a different way of doing the abstraction of disbelief um which is you're still traveling the world and you will see all territory and i love that you see all the territories desert snow uh jungles forests thunder plains everything but they just have to limit your actual travel space within that you know and they put yeah. they put it on a linear path for me it doesn't feel linear however if you play games like uh, 13 in 13 it felt linear because the map didn't have those wide now i know you do get to an open plane later on but very, for ages early on you're in actually like these underground tunnels and you're in all these places where like or you're in like this junkyard type place i think early on it's all walled in so it's literally just corridors 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 for ages where it's like this is linear not in like a smart game like choice way it's just it's just corridors endless Mm -hmm. corridors like so i could see when people hear linear games i think they sometimes think of that and they go that's no i don't want that at all but um no i think 10 does it really well and really cleverly yeah, I mean, like we touched on it before, where we we really love games that have gameplay and setup that serves the story, and that's one thing that does like it works better as being linear because they're on a pilgrimage. Yeah, you yeah, know, like your whole party is just trying to get to the one place, and they have to go to certain locations yeah. on the way, which is great because it just it because, gives you a reason to visit all the places that you yeah. you need to see in the world, and it it gives you an actual excuse to travel the world. But you're still, it's not like we get to a place and now a story change happens. So now we're just a new reason to go to another place. Yeah. The quest remains the same the whole way through. I love it. It's, it's that Lord of the Rings thing of destroying the ring, right? They literally just have the one task, but it means traveling the world. Yeah. It's such a tight, it's a tight story. Um, there is, it's clever and effective. Yeah, like very much so. Really. And then the voice acting, because it's the first one to have voice acting. Man, yeah, I mean that's so good. You know, you're gonna have to. Just... It's it's somewhat a product of its time, right? It exists. It's there. It's not yep. quite. Um... I mean, there are some performances it's all that bad. are great. Yeah, I don't think it's all bad. No, like Walk is brilliant. Walk is brilliant. Walk is Mary is great. Uh, um, Lulu is actually really good. It is good. I like Riku is good because she you get straight away yeah. the kind of character she is. She's fine. Yeah. Orin is perfect. Most yeah. of the characters are. Uh, Titus is actually really, really good in his like inner monologues. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't understand why there's like a difference in like how his <laughs> his voice yeah. is being delivered and the lines are being delivered between the on-screen Titus and the off-screen Titus. It's really strange. I think as well, it's not only voice acting that makes Titus very hard to bear. 
some of his animations and things. Yeah, and some his, of the his run, he does. his run animations not good. And uh, yeah, and ju- just even like doing awkward flips at times and doing, like, you're like, what are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you just doing right still, now? Like, just, why you aren't you could, Cloud? You could be, yeah, <laughs> you could be such a complicated character, but you're just coming off as fucking annoying. <laughs> I have yeah. to play as you. <laughs> yeah. um, he's like he's the beginning cause... of he's the beginning of unbearable protagonists in Final Fantasy. <laughs> Big time, yeah. Because I think before that, most of your protagonists are actually fine. I, yeah. You see, I suppose it depends on how you read them. You know, there is an element to that, and they weren't animated too much, so you yeah. had an interpretation of how they behaved. Um, Zidane like reminds me of like a cocky kind of Disney or Pixar kind of roguish character. Yeah, he's like. The ladies' man, right? Zidane yeah. is always flirting yeah. girls. Yeah. This is the... a little bit like that, though. A ladies' man at the beginning. Titus, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all right to start, yeah. Yeah, but... and even when he sees Yuna for the first time. Like, Yuna, I think, is is great. Like, Love what you. a great character. I don't yeah. know, like, I mean, if they, like, in some miracle decided to remake this game, I wouldn't mind... Like the recasting, like the, what they did with seven. Oh, I, like, yeah, I wouldn't uh, mind that at all. Well, um, so it's not necessarily like like Yuna's performance in it is is fine. It's not amazing and it's not bad. Yeah. But her character is incredible. Yeah. Like such uh, we'll, a fantastic. Character. We'll get into them very shortly. The other thing, I the last uh, the last non-spoilery thing that I think is worth talking about before we get into now actual story spoilers and and talking about the characters in greater detail is the music. God, the music. The music to Final Fantasy X, lads. Fantastic. It's unbelievable. Even just yeah. some of the environments, like some of the walking around the... Like, each place has its own style of music, and again, uh, I yeah, love that, that, again, is another one where music was, was iconic. Like the summons designs and the creatures designs, the music is iconic, and it sticks with you. I think, it was, the first, I think it was the first Final Fantasy that Nobuo Amatsu did not fully score. He worked on some of it, and you can hear it in some places. In some places, you can hear his his kind of work. You become yeah. very familiar with it. You're like, that sounds like an old school kind of Final Fantasy track, but um, but he didn't fully work on it. He said, I I think because I read up on it, he was he had kind of run out of inspiration, which is fair enough. Yeah, if you're trying to write so many like hundreds of tracks for mm. you know nine full length games previous to that, and there might have been little side games in there too. Like, and some of the story elements are repeated. You know, you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna find it hard to. Yeah, and I think it's fine having stuff. like the multiple different kind of composers coming in and and yeah. working on it because there's so much like like we talked about the clash of culture or the clash of ideologies or like there's even in not actual time travel but what seems to be some form of time travel. So therefore, there would be a, a disconnect. I really love the. Is it the prelude tune that in every Final Fantasy? Yeah, it's really yeah, like that, 80s kind of synthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're start. in Zanarkand, that's yeah, so yeah. cool. That's, that's really, really cool. cool. The um, but and then there's that main team, the two Zanarkand piano team is, it's yeah. beautiful and emotional yeah, every time, yeah. and it captures totally the actual essence of what the game is. Like it's bright and hopeful, but sad and full of despair as well. It's uh, it's a beautiful piece of music. Do you guys have prayers? A... I love the prayer tune from the Fates. Oh, it's so good. That's amazing. So good. Do you guys have a favorite uh, piece of music from the game? Uh, probably the prayer. 
I think. Yeah. I think so. You, you did a night comment yourself then going, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just so, think every time well, it like comes on, because in the, throughout the game, like I think the music fits every moment in the game. Yeah. Where, really where, well. And there's like the the locations are lovely. The you know even the people are really really nice and stuff like that. Like it's such a cool place. And then every now and then, like when you hear that prayer, there's it just there's like this ominous kind of presence. There's something there that's just like you know brings you back to reality kind of a thing like what they're doing it all for and like kind of a reminder of like the past yeah, and the yeah, present and the future so strangely, solemn, like... it's strangely unsettling at times yeah that that prayer yeah. there's something about it that's just like this feels both calming and wrong yeah it's weird i, I remember playing the game uh younger or even just experiencing elements of it and um at all points, at no point early on did I actually question the the church, right, in it. Because I was like, well, I've seen Sin, I've seen what he does, and I see that this is a necessary quest to defeat Sin, and they're going to show us how to do it, and great, and this is all part of the mechanics and the story. And but and yet, something always felt off. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was them, but something always felt off, right? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, 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 shut up, yeah. <laughs> 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 say no more um eric have you a favorite piece of music from the game ah besaid when you're there you just, you just get it. that sense of like yeah things are nice this is a nice place i want to run love around that. here all day all night yeah. this is class so just yeah besaid again is another piece of music that just stuck with me the whole time you know i yeah. think of final fantasy 10 i think of that music i think of that one of those several shots of titus running through the lush forests and everything and it just kind of reminds me of like I don't know back in the day when we were young and we for the summer we'd go down to Curraclough or something like that, which is a for anyone who doesn't know what Curraclough is is a beach in our area with a nice forest <laughs> area. It is, and actually which that looks beach, nothing like Besaid. Yeah, yeah. Looks, <laughs> looks more like, like Besaid, uh... if you're if you're not from Ireland, that beach is where they filmed um, the opening to Save a Private Ryan. So that's it cool. looks more like that. Check it out there. Yeah, the bomb, the bombshells are still there. There is bodies <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I don't know, but the um, yeah. I mean, I love that music. I love so much of the music. I think my favorite piece, and I can't think of the name of it. It plays at a lot of points. I actually consider it the main theme of Final Fantasy X, and it's not the one that everyone thinks it is. Um, so like, there's that piano one called Tizanarkand, mm-hmm. which plays at the start. Um, and that's the one that would be considered the main theme. But I actually consider this piece the main theme is five out of ten and it if you open up the ps4 remaster mm. it's what plays on the menu oh yeah okay i love it it's epic especially when it gets into it there's these little drums that come in and everything and it's like that's so good that's a good tune i love it yeah there's actually if you play the ps4 remaster there's like uh an alternate to the music isn't there there's like there's a remastered version of the music, yeah. Right, that's a little weird, I've noticed. Yes. It's a little off. In some places, it's, off. In some places it's a bit better. Like So I think in battle, yeah. the percussion is a, is a bit yeah. better and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the battle tune is definitely better. But the, that uh, uh, Jekt music is not good. No. And that's on that note, actually, the battle music isn't great. I like it. It's okay. It's it's kind of it's more trumpety and chirpy than the rock and roll tune of Seven. But... Yeah. Um, after a while, you, like it, that is one of those ones where if you're just trying to get somewhere and you keep landing in battle, you're like, oh, 
Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not now, please. Please that, not um, now. <laughs> that one can get really Every annoying. time you walk in, the screen does the shatter. Like, yeah. That gets old quick. <laughs> it, at first, it's a very cool transition into battle. Yeah. I remember I always when preferred, I jumped in, I loved it. And I, I wish for, like, the remaster and stuff, they could um, uh, maybe tweak some of this. But I much prefer at the beginning of 10, when you're swimming, and it just automatically kind of goes into battle. Yeah, it goes into this like bubble thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it just kind of slowly yeah. swirls in, and that's it. Rather than doing the transition thing, which is, yeah, it does get old quick. It looks like a fucking eye movie that's... transition. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> I just wanted to say, or like Windows Movie Maker. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked it at first, but yeah, it does. No, it does get old. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, kind of like with most Final Fantasies, though. Like you, you, you love them all at first. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you're like, right, I did that battle. Yeah, then you take another two steps and you're in another one. I'm like, seriously? Come on. Like, yeah. I took two steps. I just fought the... I didn't even get time to heal. All my I party think, are dead. Yeah, what I think the people all toads who, as well. Every, if, if Final Fantasy <laughs> 7 Remake toads. is, like, their first Final Fantasy game, they're going to get really pissed off, I think, with, like, going back to play some old ones and experiencing those. I, I'd say in those situations, that's where 12 would probably get huge praise. Because you, you don't yeah, have yeah, those yeah. transitions, enemies, you, yeah. just, you just see the enemies and just go straight into battle. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people did praise it for that. I suppose just before we go into spoilers, and like we've talked about the, the setting and the gameplay and the music and all that stuff, if this all sounds good and you've never played 5 out of 10, do recommend it. Um, and if you're wanting to know, kind of traditionally, before 7 Remake, what Final Fantasy was like as a series, I actually think, even though 7 is like, the, I don't care what anyone else says, is the best game ever. <laughs> i actually do think 10 is probably the best one to start with i think it's a really good if you want to get that old school like the old turn-based style yeah. game and like what the old school final fantasy games felt like i think 10 is your easiest way in because the voice acting and the music and the graphics and the story will really grip you and then the battle system is really good it's a really good way of getting into it yeah. and from that one if you like that one will teach you the strategy a lot better so if you decide to go and play older ones, you will actually try out the strategy stuff that it doesn't highlight to you at all. <laughs> you have to just figure that stuff out. Um, but yes, let's get into spoiler territory. So from now on, <laughs> we can talk about anything in the game, late game stuff, the whole shabang. So okay, I got let's... one important question. Okay, what's this game about? <laughs> yeah, what is it about? <laughs> Is that a serious question? <laughs> well, no, I think I think you do know. Will we will we tackle my serious question now, or will we wait a little bit you later? You do it. Yeah, go on. Go I, ahead. I hope okay. everyone who uh, I hope from now on people have played the game or at least don't care. <laughs> okay. So, game takes on a sort of like Inception style idea, like the movie, not the the actual meaning of Inception, but that like you're a dream that it can exist in dreams, but exist outside of dreams. And people are like, oh, cool. What? What okay. is your character? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah well, he's This from, has been yeah. debated for a long, long time. Uh, the game has an amazingly well-told story up until that point. Yeah, and at that yeah. point, it falls off the rails. I, yeah, the tightest twist is bullshit. Absolute bullshit. If he had traveled through time is a better story. Yeah than the one they actually give you. So what it uh, supposedly is, is that the Xanarkin that Titus is from 
is like a dream Zanarkand, they call it. And yeah. he is one of the residents of this Zanarkand. I don't know right. if he's even if he was ever a real person, right? Um and this Zanarkand is basically being summoned the whole time by the faith. Okay. Right? Um because Yu Yevin is making them do that because he wants to keep his memory of Zanarkand alive. Okay. That's basically what's going on. They don't want to keep doing this. And so they're asking you, can you please kill you, Yevon, and let the dream die? Yeah. Because this is actually what channels the cycle of sin. Like, so sin is actually just there as you, Yevon's armor. The whole thing of destroying Machina, that's actually not like you, Yevon's goal at all. That's not really what he's about, which is unfortunate because that's actually better. Well, he's kind of. I mean, like, wasn't he's that the, the... That's that's what Zanarkin didn't really use Machina. He's a little bit, but not really. They they were like an Aeon nation. Yeah, there was and a giant... Yeah. They were, they're at war with Bevel, Bevel, yeah. which were a Machina nation. Yeah. Uh, so Sin was an ultimate Aeon to destroy the machina wielding Bevel. Yeah. Uh but See, they actually they, lost. But if they had kind of <laughs> left it at that and not complicated further. Yeah, that would have been that where it totally gets complicated fine. as well. It's like okay, even if you can and I, I don't even fully understand then what Titus is or what any of that means. But even if you do grasp that, so Jet leaves there, becomes sin, but he's like was he ever a person? You know, because the, the Jack becomes Sin and then comes back to Dream Zanarkand to take Titus out of Dream Zanarkand into real... What and then going Titus on? has so... memories of Jack, which he wouldn't have ever met. No, but uh, and... I think Jack is his father. Jack is his father, yeah. Oh, God, this is too complicated. Let's, other... really... Let's move on to other stories. Oh, sorry, the yes, the, the twist... The twist is probably... The, the weakest part of the game. Um, and actually Titus as a character. Um, th- like On paper, he's an interesting character. Mm. It's just the way he's executed. He's unbearable. <laughs> he's unbearable. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's like, I'm telling everyone they should play this game, but at the same time, you're going to have to put up with this fucking annoying... Well, the overall premise is, is really cool. Like the whole, like they're going on a pilgrimage... To gather oh, yeah. aeons, yeah, to be able to get the final aeon to destroy sin, and that's as far as they know. That's the journey, and the, yeah. the the summoner that's going on the pilgrimage knows that they have to sacrifice themselves in order to do this. So the whole way they know they're going to die. And I know, that's and I a love fucking that cool theme. story. And it's only for ten years. And the rest of the party know this, but nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah, and so your character Titus doesn't know this and is falling in love with her, and along the way is, and actually when you replay it, those scenes are even stronger because Yuna yeah. always seems sad and you don't really know why, and you know, at times you're like, oh, "Will you just cheer up, will you?" Um, <laughs> but what it turns out is like he's saying things like, "You know, when we beat Sin, you know, maybe we can, you know, hang out more together, or yeah. we could go. I'll take it as Anarchin. I'll take it to one of my Blitzball games." And she's gone, "I'd like that," but she's real quiet because she, as far as she's concerned, she's going to die. That's her, her. She's going on a quest to to sacrifice herself so that Spira can like chill out for ten years. Yeah. 
yeah, that's see, it. That, that, that story so is fine. And that twist is good because you don't know that twist because you're seeing everything through Titus. Yeah. So that's a fine twist to have. No, that one's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the Titus that's, one. That's a good one. Does kind of overcomplicate it, but it, it's because it's at the very end, it doesn't really matter. No, I, like I the rest of it, it doesn't of ruin it the just, game. The no, rest of it is so good. And the story is so strong. And mm. the quest is really, really good. Um, But I, I, yeah, I just think, I think Titus is the main con of the game. You know, I think he is the problem in the game. The rest of it, like the other party members, mm-hmm. uh, you were saying as well, like that Yuna is such a strong character. I, t- I totally agree. I actually see her as the hero of the story. Yeah, I mean, she knows exactly what she has to do and is happy enough to do it, which is... But she's always putting... She's so interested. She's always putting other people's happiness first. Like, even... Okay, so... Yeah, she's very much a nun. <laughs> Maester, the, <laughs> there's Maester Seymour, mm-hmm. and she has no feelings for him, but there's a point where she nearly agrees to marry him because she thinks a wedding might make people in Spira happy for a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's so determined to just, like, literally give up her life for the service of other people's happiness. Like, no matter yeah. what it means, whether it's her debts, whether it's getting married to someone she doesn't love or uh, anything at all. Like, she'll do anything. And then, it, that's why it's it's nearly a heartbreaking story when she has put her fate totally into this, her life into this. And then her fate starts to crumble. Yeah, because you realize the, the truth. whole thing is like a conspiracy and a shambles. Mm. But it, it says a lot about like, I mean, whether it's the the whole, you know, a hero knowing they're going to die, um, and and just trying to like, you know, make everyone else happy around them and and do the best they can. Yeah. In that short period of time, uh, but it also says a lot about like the idea of it's just such a huge. Um, I wouldn't say controlling society kind of thing, but the way they create their own enemies in order to maintain some sort of fate. Yeah. Oh, by allowing. Yeah, the, I mean, sin, by allowing sin, the dead to become monsters, like or. Well, not just allowing the dead to become monsters. It's uh, like sin is created by Yevon, the god of oh, the game. Yeah. yeah. So you can kind of see like that sin is the ultimate evil, the Leviathan. Of the the story, yeah. Um. So in order for there to be a, a good guy, there has to be a villain. But the fact that the good guy made the villain, it, well, in his eyes, he's the good guy. You know, to, yeah. to maintain yeah. some form of worship over him and continue the path, which would ultimately maintain that the bad guy, it's a sin, is continuously brought back to life, and maintain that sort of cycle, that sort of religion. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that it just says quite a lot, really. Whether it's, uh, it doesn't matter what type of organization organization it is. Whether it's a like a country, you know, that has some sort of military force. Well, in order to be a military force, you have to have a villain. So let's arm them. Or whether it is <laughs> uh, an institution such as like what Chris was mentioning earlier about the the church. Like, yeah. okay, so in order for the church to be alive, you have to have a villain. Yeah, the most ultimate villain is. In this case, the Leviathan. Yeah, yeah. I do. That's another thing. I love Sin's design, and like nearly everything so about this, this whale that can fly and also swim. And then every time you hit it, all of its bits become living creatures. So mm. it's almost like um, that. it's almost like a like a single you know like single celled organisms the way they would just split 
Yeah. And then yeah. like their their split would become alive and then it just so that it itself could just constantly spread as well. But like, I love that story. Like how sins can spread. I love that story aspect that um like if sin spawn have fallen wherever sin has been, they have like these response teams like the Crusaders or the Chocobo Knights who are like like we have to kill Sin Spawn because he comes back for them if you leave them too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we like there's and then they try and use that to their tactic, right? They like start collecting Sin Spawn. And use it as bait. Use it as bait to bring yeah. Sin for a big battle. And it's such an epic scene. And it's it's there not only to be, you know, it's like, okay, we need to do something big and exciting because we haven't done something big and exciting for a while. There's been a lot of running around and just doing kind of grinding fights. Mm-hmm. But also to show you that even with these huge weapons and this huge army, like there is no other way to beat Sin. Like the quest is the only way to do it. So they like everyone's been telling you it, but now it shows you it, and it shows you what Sin can do. Like Sin does this big wave thing that like evaporates people on the beach. Oh, that's so mm. cool! So like, uh... like wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of, like I suppose like the Avengers of the New York kind of a thing to it. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah, disintegration yeah. of everyone yeah. and stuff, but like. Yeah, it's cool. That's really cool. He's such a, it's such a powerful. And I think is this the first time an enemy is not like a humanoid? Um, I I don't know. I don't. I can't say that for sure. I don't know. And oh, sometimes there's like a big monstrous force that's behind the humanoid mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, you know? there's always you. You always have to, as Brian said, you always have to fight God. <laughs> you always have to fight God at the end, and in this one, very much so. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I was gonna ask, who would you say is the main villain of the game? Oh, Stephanie Evan. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, like, Eric? there's multiple villains throughout. Yeah. Like, there's there's bad people throughout. Yeah. Yeah. But Yevon is the ultimate enemy. It's like it's kind of like you know who was the enemy? Who's the bad guy of like Nazi Germany? Like, although there was multiple horrible people in command we are we can all point the finger to one one man in particular and that's me that's yevon um yeah like if we're talking about the overall story of final fantasy 10 like from the creation of the world then it would be yevon because right. like like hitler yeah i mean he did start the whole chain of events but isn't it that yevon isn't like at this stage, when you're playing the game, Yevon is not aware of actually what he's doing. He's become so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, he, he, he he's become like an like just a creature that's just I, I working think, on. Yeah, he has become from, parasitic, like a yeah, parasitic he's become form, like a fiend which is so that just cool. Possesses that's so and, cool. Yeah, it? he'll possess the, which is why anyone who becomes the final Aeon becomes the next sin, because he'll just possess he's it and tra- just... and then spend like ten years transforming it into the next sin. Yeah. yeah, so like a, in cool. the game, he's not aware of what he's doing. He's just I don't think so. Instinct. I think he's just doing it. Yeah, I actually but I, I think the church, about... the actual Yevonites, like maester, the maesters. Yeah. Yeah, they're bad. I think they're. <laughs> I don't think you Yevon asked to be worshipped. I think they're just using him because it doesn't matter what you worship as long as everyone's listening to your rules. Yeah, I, I yeah, but like the fact that Yevon is, I mean, without Yevon, you wouldn't have those. No, but that's that's why I was saying that like if in the whole context of the of the world and the history of it, Yevon is the antagonist. But within the game itself, because Yevon's not aware anymore, he's not really he's not really the enemy. So therefore the Yevonites would be the kind of more evil force within it. I I kinda think so too. I'd kinda lead it towards that as well. I think the Maesters because 
as well they um they know the truth right like they actually know that um they actually know you Yevon is inside sin they know what causes it each time and yeah. they don't want the cycle to end because if the cycle ends they don't have this scapegoat thing where it's like by worshiping us we can save you and by yeah. doing the pilgrimage we can save you know what i mean like they're kind of, and then they're they're using all these machines and stuff that they're not telling anyone about mm-hmm. um and some of them are dead uh yeah yeah mr mike is dead the whole time yeah, Sneaky bastard. Is, that's that's a big no no. <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah, exactly. You're supposed to get sent, which means he's a fiend. So I, I do think and then of course you're the Maester that's attacking you throughout the game, Maester Seymour. He's a big he's, he's a he's, big baddie. Yeah, big baddie. I just think of him. I, he's, I he's cool, but I guess yeah, his voice gets a bit annoying after a while. Well, I think that's what makes him interesting, is that uh he doesn't sound like a bad guy you know what i mean like when he when he's talking and when you first meet him you kind of think oh yeah it's just nah no when you first see him they have the uh, creepy no music way. yeah and you're like, oh this is the bad man. guy it's like he's got spiky hair and long nails he's a bad guy <laughs> come on like, if you look at his fringe it's the exact same as sephiroth you're like right yeah, well he's like, the villain there's a final fantasy villain <laughs> right there villain like, fringe if and, I've he's, seen one. and he's got his chest on show just like sephiroth yeah. Uja. you're like oh come on this is final fantasy villain 101 okay all right <laughs> I <want your> <laughs> no but i no, because i actually remember that because i was like oh there's the villain and you because uh, i actually remember i was watching your playthrough at him and you were like he's not the villain he's the maester and i was like ah he looks like a bad guy why <laughs> he's got long nails oh and that makes him a bad guy <laughs> yeah. he was <laughs> yes <laughs> long nails equal villainy he's a very interesting character yeah but i do like that like he you see i don't see him as the main villain you see and i think that's yeah, I think if he was the main villain, it's kind of a, you know, he he doesn't seem as dangerous as some of the other people in in the game. Someone like Unaleska, for example, right? Um, which is another, I suppose you could say, is is another villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Seymour is straight up a like, sociopath. You know, a, you know he he is a bad guy. He would wear like i am bad guy tattooed on his chest like he would he's you know, an abs- yeah he's a he psychopath kind of, he knows he's doing horrendous shit whereas i suppose Unaleska and yevon think they're doing the right thing yeah i like, love when they... I, I think yevon does know what he's doing i don't think he's not like not Maybe. aware at all i think I, Ye- uh, yevon i didn't think he, he did i think yevon is I don't, i'm just i'm just going off the fact that he looks like some weird kamidogu thing with two floating pillars beside him well he's just gonna come more fiendish as he does more evil deeds but uh i think that yevon the fact that he keeps anarchin alive through dream form it's like he's almost like a uh some form of nationalist oh i think i think yevon knows he's doing that i don't think yevon ever asked to be worshipped though Oh right, right. right I don't think his goal was to be the god of the world. No, no, no. no, no, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he just wants. So I think in that way, the Yevonites are using him, Mm. even though he doesn't know he's being used in that way. He's just doing his thing. He's like, I'll I'll keep creating sin. I'll destroy anything that I don't like. Essentially, I'm on like a tyrannical rampage of everything that reminds me of the war, uh, all the Machina cities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'll keep Xanarkand alive because that's what I want to do. But the Yevonites have created this whole other fucking thing, like that you Yevon is our god and everything. Because just to have a god, it's like a scapegoat, right? It's like they're just using it 
as a form of control of the of the world and of the people. Yeah, and they get power out of it. Yeah. And they de- they decide which mocking is okay as well. Like Blitzball, they use loads of mocking for Blitzball. Yeah. And because uh, Titus brings that up, I think he he goes, "How come this mocking is okay?" And uh, Waka ends up talking about like the scriptures and what mocking is okay, what mocking isn't. And he's like, "But who decides that? Like, you know, like <laughs> what's the deciding yeah. factor of what mocking is okay?" It's like, "Hey, don't question the scriptures." You know, it's like it's really interesting. It everyone is good. Is, yeah, it is good. Everyone really is like dumbed it. down because there is this actual physical threat. And so it's like you have one big truth, which means you can tell as many lies as you want. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, so good. <laughs> so good. I love Seymour as well, though, because like they like when they encounter him about killing his father. Yeah. And he's like, and? Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He's an <laughs> absolute psychopath. I like I never liked his design, but as a character, he's so no, he's great, great character. And I think he's the one that first introduces you to anima at the Blitzball tournament and it's yeah, really cool first time you see anima yeah and back on now to anima because we're yeah. talking about Seymour anima being a female am I correct in saying that that's his mother anima is Seymour's mother so and every he... form of anima that you get or yeah no anima is his like there's not like different forms of summons right okay and so the aeons in 10 are they're all they all used to be a person once yeah they willingly it's it's not like they killed themselves as such they like willingly decided to die and give up their soul to become so like their soul does become a fiend as such but because it's part of this like ritual sacrifice thing it becomes a very different type of fiend and it becomes mm-hmm. the aeon right um so their soul becomes the faith which yeah gives rise to the aeon so each of them used to be a part like yojimbo used to be like a wandering mercenary i think he was part of the crusaders like some of them actually you actually do get a bit of their backstory Bahamas any- that kid isn't it yeah, Bahamut is the kid that's guiding you the whole way through, basically, and yeah. wants you to end this cycle. Um, but yeah, Anima is Seymour's mother, who I think was like praying to like, it's like, I'll give up my... She was so tortured by what her son was becoming. And she was like, I'll give up my life willingly so that I can watch over him. But then her form took this like tortured self and he like used her for evil then. And she just get, became more and more twisted. That's um, awesome. And then he, yeah, and then his father found it, and he he killed his father in his sleep. And I love that his father makes that sphere where his father's like, I know I'm going to die, and I kind of feel partly responsible because Seymour is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. But can whoever finds this, can you please kill my son? That's so good. Bruh. It's Bruh. so good. I love it. I love it <laughs> so much. It's really good. It's really like yeah, there's like uh, there are some awesome stories cool there. shit there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think um, probably the one character that I don't think gets explored enough or maybe they do and i just completely uh is lulu lulu uh yeah she has a little bit of it i think most of her story is really because i mean she spent her whole life in beside witwaka so there's an element there of like their story is very intertwined but like i think most of her story is that she loved chapu right waka's brother yeah so she is motivated by the fact that chapu was killed by sin but also, there's a moment in the Camlands where you talk to um, another guy. Or no, sorry, if you go down, there's this, this cave in the Camlands. You don't have to go into it, but if you go into it, Lulu meets um, this the ghost of a summoner. Lulu has been on the pilgrimage before, and she failed her summoner. Mm. And I think that plays into why she's so strict and quite cold and quite like... Uh, she's a great. I I love Lulu. She's cool. She's really yeah. cool. But I do think there's like 
you just don't get enough of yeah. her throughout. Like you get a lot of like, although not directly from Riku, but because she's Albed, you hear a lot about the Albed. You get Riku's sh- story then, and then same yeah. with Waka with Chapu and um, even Yuna throughout Kamari. You get because of you know dealings with the Ronso throughout the game, and yeah. then finally at Mount Gagazette and stuff. But Lulu's just the one where it's like, so. What's your deal? What's what's what's, what's this the all teddy? about? <laughs> what's with the teddy bear? Yeah, what's with the teddy and <laughs> the, the belt? belts? Do you yeah. think for belts? <laughs> like okay. she's such a cool character. Well, maybe that's what makes her cool is that she's so mysterious. There's an element of mystery. Who's your favorite party member <clears throat> of the out of the characters? Um, I'm going to say Orin just because that when when I did I mean, come on, he says yeah, like he's kind of like I don't know like. He has a great Strider, team, nearly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, yeah, when, he's he comes, when he's come in, it's like yeah. the he's the veteran and you feel safer with him around, you know? You do, yeah. And I, and he knows everything that's going on too. And he has a great twist. He has a great twist. Which twist? Yeah, his his <laughs> twist makes sense. Like when you find out his twist, you're like, ah oh, yeah, grand, okay, cool. I'll work wait, are we are talking about the twist that he's dead? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Okay. yeah, yeah, all yeah. along. Yeah. Like that Brilliant. one works. Yeah. That one's fine, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's just tired. This one, it's just like, yeah. what? I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, but uh, even that like little subtle hint that when you go into the dreamlands, is that what it's called? The dreamscapes? Yeah. Uh, and the like dreams, Xanarkand? No, no, no the Zanarkand. one where I think you're where in. People go to die. Yeah. Fireplane. Water. Fireplanes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and Orin decides, no, I'm gonna stay out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you why, but he hints at us. Yeah, yeah. Giving it a little hint, yeah, yeah. And even and and then Jiskel, Jiskel Guado, which is Seymour's father, it starts to come out, and everyone's like freaking out. And Orin says, "Yuna, send him." And Yuna's about to send him, and Orin for a second starts like, kind of like coughing, and he does this kind of thing with his hand to like, wipe away the sort of spell, and he backs off a little bit for a second. Which at the time is, you know, you don't really know what that's about, but it's because if he gets too close, he could get sent. Yeah. You know, it's. I love that wall as well. The the fate is it the fate wall kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, with all the people like a like a giant mural of people. Yeah, there's there is a mural very similar to that, isn't there? And I don't know whether it's a Holocaust one or whether it's a like a Hiroshima style mural. I think there's something. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it kind of looks like. Uh, I see Eric's confused there. Yeah, it kind of looks like the uh, Dragonborn wall thing in Skyrim as well, with all yeah. the people. Yeah, on top okay. of each other. It so all another... comes back to Skyrim. Oh, it comes back <laughs> to Skyrim. Um, have you guys got a favorite part of the game? Whether it, whether it's like a a moment in the game or a place in the game or, or just the combat even or. Oh well, it has to, has to be like. When when you're. Anytime that rock music comes on, especially the start, I love the start. You're in Zanakin, look at this new, like advanced New York almost, or something like that. You know what I mean? It reminds me of that kind of, and you're playing as a sports star, blah, blah, blah. You're going to do your game, it goes CGI, the first time I ever has CGI, like cutscene. The guitar kicks in, Sin comes out of nowhere, there's Orin standing there like Batman on a gargoyle or something, looking yeah. at it, as the entire <laughs> city starts to get sucked up. And into like Sin's weird <laughs> vortex. That's such 
a good sequence because it really sets the whole stakes and tone of the thing. Yeah, it's so good. I think mine is probably the, uh, another cutscene, which is another Blitzball cutscene, and, and that's when Seymour uh, uh, summons Anima. Yeah, pro- I, I think that that moment I think is really cool. There's just something about like you're being saved by something that looks demonic. It looks like something out of Silent Hill or something, you know? Like oh, it's horrifying. I think yeah. um, there's a lot. I don't know which one is my favorite because I, I, ju- I really just love the whole adventure of it and the quest yeah. of it. I think that's my favorite aspect of the game. So I think there's like moments where like early on when you're just at night traveling on the boat. And you can just walk mm-hmm. around and talk to the different people and get different perspectives from people. And then, and then like, you know, they see Sin and they shoot the hooks into Sin and they're trying really to, they're, cool like, bit. they're yeah. like, at this moment, we are willing to kill all of us. Like, they even, uh, like, they they know Sin's going for Killika. Actually, yeah. No, that's my favorite bit. Oh, Killika is awesome. That's my favorite bit. That's Sin's oh, on his way yeah. to Killika. Um, they, there's people with the harpoons and like, Walker's like, what are you doing? Like, we'll get pulled under. And they turn to Yoon and they go, my lady, please, our families are in Kilika. Yeah. And she's like, you know, do what you got to do. And suddenly you're in this battle with Sin and it's it's hopeless. Like, you just can't beat it. There's no, yeah. like, no matter what you're going to do. And, and it's it very, like, like a Kilika. Moby Dick style story kind of yeah. going on as well. Like, I love that. Um, and, then, and then you see it destroy, you, you see it absolutely obliterate Kilika. And when you get there, there's like this sad music and you're, and there's people going, I can't find my wife or I can't find my mm. child or whatever. There's other people who have been affected by the toxins and they, they've lost their mind. They go, I can't remember who I am. And you just kind of see like this is what they're fighting for. And you get to see Yuna do the dance thing, which of course becomes the, yeah. the artwork to the cover, her first sending. And uh, it's this beautiful cutscene as well. And everyone's crying and the spirits are coming out of the water and you're like, wow, this place is hopeless <laughs> yeah and it's such a nice spot too and it, like that kind of that it's it's weird it's the most real moment in any final fantasy because it's like you know uh whether it's uh names of places is losing me you know like in um like in the, the caribbean what's that fucking place in america or just off america haiti Oh yeah, oh, right, Haiti, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Whether it's that or I suppose any area that gets obliterated by a yeah, of tsunami or a hurricane or anything like that, like it's very much like that. You just when you get to Kilika, you see the aftermath of it. You see all the the wooden huts that are just like completely destroyed. Like you, you know, this was such a lovely, peaceful place. And um, but yeah, it's it's odd that that's like the most real thing in a final fantasy game after you know driving a car in 15 right yeah yeah <laughs> and it, like and i think as well um there's a, like as annoying as i find titus i do like that he starts off as a character who just wants to go home yeah. and then becomes the more he sees he actually becomes invested in the quest and it's not just because he falls in love with yuna um but it is he actually at every step of the way and when he finds out that sin is his father that is checked and he has all these you know he has his, his daddy issues he hates his dad and he, he sees now that his dad is not like his dad he feels his dad ruined his life but he sees it ruining everyone's life <laughs> yeah. and he's like i just I, like i i want this Do you to think, end because I, that was something i never really quite understood was the relationship between jack and titus because it, it obviously does start off with titus absolutely hates his 
dad he has dreams every now and then of yeah, his yeah. dad bullying him and stuff like that and then later towards the end he kind of makes peace with him was Jekt purposely building up hatred so that he would have the strength to or at least willingness to take on his father I think that's a cool a cooler twist I think if that was it it's good I don't think that's what it is because I don't think I think those memories are real and I don't think Jekt ever knew he was going to yeah, you know because I mean? if 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 they're both part you of don't the because he he um you know he was he he left out of when Titus was a kid didn't he? Yeah, but there's a moment where um but he was oh, kid I suppose, for yeah 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 he was you know what I mean for many years like yeah the, no <laughs> he knows that oh, oh, oh my god <laughs> Wait, what biology what I realize that no, oh my god there's a moment dreams. where yeah, Titus a moment talked where to Yuna yeah and he kind of realizes he says something about he has a memory of his mother with Jekt. And he's crying for his mother. And she's like, uh, oh, I'll go to him in a second. Because she doesn't see Jack enough. So she'll spend a bit right. of time with him because he's always off on tours. And then Jack actually says, you should go to him. He'll cry if you don't. And she's like, oh, no, he'll be okay. And he ends up saying to you, and he's like, I think the reason I hate my old man, as he calls him, is because whenever my mom was around, she just didn't want anything to do with me. So it's really just a jealousy thing. Like Jack was just a sort of a tough love sports star guy, right? Like I don't think I am. Like I, I, I like it is really cool because like, Titus or anything. Yeah, I don't think that that's the message. Like I don't yeah. think he was just sort of a tough love, tough dad kind of thing. Yeah, it's not uh, really something you get from that type of story either. You know, like it's like it, there's a lot of you know hard shit in this game. You know, yeah. and the game is for twelves. Uh, yeah, you know, like. It's, and yeah. the fact that you, the guy you play as is this dude that still has kind of a teenage angst and has hatred towards his father because his father is slightly mentally abusive. Yeah. Um, like that's some that's some deep shit to try and. And then, and yeah, and like <laughs> that sounds like, like every twelve-year-old's childhood. Like like fighting this big monster and like killing his father is actually like a giant metaphor for basically like finally confronting his father and basically having that conversation. That he's had built up in him for so long. Like the like the last yeah, line has a Jack, I think is, I hate you. And he starts crying, and Jack's gone. I know, son. It's okay. I know. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and then he, he goes. And they make and, peace with it. And they make peace with it. And at the end, they have a weird high five. It's fucking weird. <laughs> 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 they do. They have the, they go, which way? Um, but on, yeah. it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like. Okay, it's a weird thing to say, but it's sort of like Jack going, "You're a man now." Stop being you manned okay. up, you know. Yeah, and I'm supposed there is a bit of a commentary mean. there about what it means to be a man then, because Jack sees like Jack seems like the 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 what would be the stereotypical, you no know, yeah, yeah, like masculinity, sports yeah, ball, kind of drink like, and barbecue and shit, and then like Titus. You know, has moments where he he does need to express himself emotionally, and Jack's like, "Will you stop? Will you stop, Brian?" We should talk about that moment where he needs to express himself emotionally, <laughs> yeah. because it's probably the most talked about thing. Like five out of ten is so many amazing moments, and yet this seems to be the only thing that people talk about on the internet, and it's the laughing scene. <laughs> it is hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> I was saying to Adam before we started recording, Eric. I don't know if you know about it. The people on YouTube have like taken the sound bite or the sound clip of Titus laughing and put it to like the melodies of the music. 
<laughs> areas. So like, there's one where it's like, I, I'm not going to do a very good rendition of it, but just so you know what kind of thing you're in for, it's like, ha, 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 you should look it up. It's so funny. It's like, <laughs> become a huge meme, really, hasn't it? The the tightest laugh. It has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which is so such a pity because like, the moment is actually a really nice, was, good moment. No, oh yeah, I was gonna say if you watch the full scene in context, <laughs> yeah, there well, is a, there is somewhat somewhat of a natural lead up to it, and you've already if you've been playing the game up to then, right? If you've been playing the game up to then. You already know Titus is unbearable, and you can kind of look past it. If that's the first thing you see, I think it's gonna really off put you. <laughs> I'm trying to give it. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, which one? Which one do you think was more awkward? The laughing sequence of ten, or the dancing sequence of seven remake? The dancing sequence. Definitely more awkward. For me. For me. Well, I don't yeah. have to think about it. I'm going to say the laughing sequence just because that when I played it first, like with the remake, at least I was, ex- I'm, I'm anticipating something. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But with the 10, when I played it first, that was left field, man. <laughs> like the way See, that for, come at it, you for know? For me, when, when it happens in 10, I go, there's Titus. There he goes again. It's fucking annoying. Um, whereas with Seven Remake, I was like, "What are you doing to Cloud right now?" Like, I know he has to dress up as a woman. I know that's part of the story, but what's this sexy dance he's doing? Like, and he's so good at it. What the fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, for me that was way more awkward because it felt way out of Cloud's character. Um, but Titus, I was like, "Yeah, I mean that. That's him. That's him in a nutshell, right there." um we're coming i think to the end of the the conversation uh about final fantasy 10 and we've covered quite a lot of it um is there an aspect of the game you you hate No, um, yes, maybe, actually. Could be Blitzball. I oh, think... I really like Blitzball. That the... Actually, Adam might say the same thing. The bit when... Just after Zanakin got destroyed. Mm. And you oh. wake up in the water. And I get what it is. The idea of him now being alone and having to deal with being cold and being hungry. Something he probably never had to put up with. Yes, but it's yeah, really yeah. kind of slow. And it's still kind of like feels like the start but it's like that bridge between the actual start yeah, and the it's game not, it's not well executed at all no i get it's you. a bit and it drags on a bit because i know that's when you meet riku and it's great that you yeah. meet riku in the albed first but yeah. then they have to go on a mission with them and it feels very kind of sidetracky so it's a bit that's like, something oh. i wish they would touch on a bit is isn't the ship that you're kind of trying to excavate the ship you end up on the end yes yeah, the airship that that's really not clear like at all i think someone yeah if you talk when you're on the airship if you yeah. uh just after they escape from the albed home base right mm-hmm. if you go talk to riku then she says it so she says do you recognize the ship it's the one that we scavenged down and you know she yeah, does say but, it straight out but, but even, only if you talk to her yeah so but can. even if you, while you're scavenging like regardless of it 
not looking like the airship you're on. Yeah. It doesn't look like anything, you know? Like, right. Yeah, I think okay. the artwork there, like, it just looks not like a heap there. of rocks and stuff. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't actually look like you're actually scavenging anything, really. Yeah, because it would mean more if you recognized it. So I think so, yeah. Because then when you're, you're like, like, oh, Whoa! wow, like, this was all set up. This is great. Oh, uh, my God. I just think oh it probably would improve that slow beginning if if that had that a huge payoff kind of thing yeah 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 well yeah i would probably agree with eric i think that bits because uh, if if you're wanting to replay the game like that's a moment where you're just like ah oh, jesus i just want to get to Poseid and just get on with this man right yeah yeah i think i i don't particularly like um the cam lands there's nice music there i think a lot of people probably like that bit because it's very reminiscent of older final fantasy games it's a big open plane with lots of grinding and stuff but for me it's in terms of scenery it's the most boring part of the game like the rest of the world is actually very interesting looking and i think that place is really really boring and then also uh it's exactly what i just said it's a lot of open plane and just fighting and for me that like as much as i love the combat that's really not the draw of this game the draw is the quest and at every point, every time you meet a new town or go to a new temple or meet a new person, something interesting genuinely happens in this mm. game. Mm. Um, or you get a new interesting piece of lore. I love meeting that St. Patrick-looking guy, Machen, who tells you the history of the world all the time. And that, as they say, is that. I love him. He's so good. Um, but yeah, the Camlands are a bit boring, in my opinion. Could that be another reason why the game kind of sometimes reminded you of Ireland? Because you got St. Patrick Possibly, roaming yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of looks like him, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. Like, a lot, actually. Not even kind of. He has the hat. <laughs> Anywhere <laughs> green? Yeah, yeah. He is St. Patrick. The only thing um, he's missing is a snake. Yeah. I think the... I know the game is, is well-received, and it is well-known, and it got a remastered and everything. For me, personally, I feel Five Hats of Ten is underrated. I still feel it's underrated. I think it's better than it's largely given credit for. Um, I think it gets well-deserved praise. I mean, uh, I've heard people mention it being the, you know, one of the best games on PS2. Um, I know there isn't a What's whole lot. Of, <laughs> there isn't a whole lot of Final Fantasy games on PS2. There's no, no, like no. three, isn't there? That's it. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. 10, 10, 10, 10 2, and 12. Was well, 11 on PS2? That's PC, right? I think there is a PS2 version, just unless I, I just don't think people really played it on PS2. It's more PC. Right, yeah. Yeah. I guess then there's a three. Yeah. Yeah. Mo. What do you yeah. think, Eric? I think it gets decent oh, enough praise. Do you think it's oh well overrated, rated enough? I, my generation, I haven't met very many people from my generation that played Final Fantasy games, so it was never really something that was actually talked about. That okay. much, yeah. yeah. My generation was Call of Duty Zombies, so nice. That was it. They didn't play <laughs> anything else. Well, that. I, I'd be curious then to put that question out there and see what other people think. Like, what do people think of Final Fantasy Ten if they've played it? Do they think it's underrated, overrated, rated enough? Uh, <laughs> didn't need a remaster. Does need a remake? I don't know. I'd love to hear people's thoughts. I love this game, and I think that concludes our talk on Final Fantasy X and all of its weirdness. Um, But we will be back next week uh, where we'll be talking about another one of our top five PS2 games. We've we've done three of them now, so there's only two left to go. So, I mean, it's no surprise the other two were two Metal Gear Solid games. 
and there's a reason we've put them kind of beside each other. It, it was really just to run one into the other. So with that bit of knowledge, I think people could probably figure out which one we're going to be talking about next. Um, so until then, bye-bye and stay safe. Bye-bye. So you didn't want to talk about them too? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs>